Welcome to the Advent Houston podcast. At Advent, our mission is to embrace, embody, and extend the grace of Jesus Christ to the Texas Medical Center, Rice University, and the surrounding neighborhood. We're glad that you're here with us today. Good to see everyone. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Curtis Shields. My um, my wife Marissa and our uh, four children are here. We we land. We crash. If you don't know us, we we crash landed uh, in on September 30th from Malaysia. We've been in Malaysia for the last seven years uh, with uh, MTW and RUF Global, and so now uh, I'm the new Rice RUF campus minister. And so uh, it's been a, a great few months. We've 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 landed. We've had a kid, and so here we are. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's great to be with you. Zechariah 9. The oracle of the word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach, and Damascus is its resting place. For the Lord has an eye on mankind, and on all the tribes of Israel, and on Hamath also, which borders on it. Tyre and Sidon, though they are very wise, Tyre has built herself a rampart, and heaped up silver like dust and fine gold like the mud of the streets. But behold, the Lord will strip her of her possessions and strike down her power on the sea, and she shall be devoured by fire. Ashkelon shall see it and be afraid. Gaza too, and shall writhe in anguish. Ekron also, because its hopes are confounded. The king shall perish from Gaza. Ashkelon shall be uninhabited. A mixed people shall dwell in Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of Philistia. I will take away its blood from its mouth and its abominations from between its teeth. It too shall be a remnant for our God. It shall be like a clan in Judah, and Ekron shall be like the Jebusites. Then I will encamp at my house as a guard, so that none shall march to and fro. No oppressor shall again march over them, for now I see with my own eyes. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also... Because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. For I've bent Judah as my bow. I've made Ephraim its arrow. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down the sling stones, and they shall drink and roar as if drunk with wine and be full like a bowl, drenched like the corners of the altar. On that day, the Lord their God will save them as the flock of his people, For like the jewels of a crown, they shall shine on his land. For how how great is his goodness, and how great 
his beauty. Grain shall make the young men flourish, and new wine the young women. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, please fill us with your spirit that we would learn what you would have us know from your word. I pray that anything that I say that is against your word, that you would bring it to nothing. And anything that I say that is consistent with your word, that you would press it on each of our hearts and change us and make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. My cousin was the best man in his older brother's wedding. Uh, he was 21. Uh, his brother was 23. Uh, so he'd only been to a few rehearsal dinners. And so uh, he realized as the dinner was starting that as the best man, he was supposed to give a toast at the end. And uh, so he was kind of panicked. And, uh, and so, uh, but a guy at the table uh, said to him, you know, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Just say a few nice things to him and uh, wish them well and raise your glass. That's all you need to do. Uh, and so that's what he did. And uh, the, the crowd kind of, it felt a little anticlimactic to everyone. Uh, and as he looked back on that night, he, he wished that he had known what was coming. Uh, and, and the main problem uh, was that he had, he'd gotten inaccurate information. Because we all know that the, the best man toast is one of the most important parts of the wedding. I'm just kidding. I think the best man is one of the most important parts of the wedding. Uh, but our text today is kind of a summary of the way the world is. So if there's one question that we were trying to answer, it would be, what's going on here? That you may have gotten an inaccurate explanation of what's going on in the world, that what's going on around you. And our text today, uh, Zechariah, he gives us God gives us the answer. What's going on in the world? It's talking, uh, the answer is, is, is given to us in a way that only the prophets can do it. It's, it's vague, uh, but also clear. And so we get these, these beautiful, uh, true, and, and pictures about the future, things that have already happened and things that will happen. And so uh, it's, it's a wonderful text. But uh, So in the last few weeks, we've been reminded of God's promise-keeping character. Uh, and so today we see uh, that God's made more promises and, and that he's kept those and that there's, he's, there are more that are going to be fulfilled in the future. Uh, now, some context, hopefully I won't bore you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some context before we, we go into the text here. But uh, first, most of these illustrations are from Malaysia. So I, I don't really... I don't know Houston, but I know Malaysia, and so uh, I want to give you that. I think it's always good for the church uh, to hear about their brothers and sisters around the world and the struggles that they have, and, um, and just to hear about the world in general. Uh, but so that's where most of my illustrations are. And secondly, uh, reading the Old Testament, uh, we, kinda, we need to be able to understand the Israelites. We need to understand our brothers and sisters. We need to understand Ezra Israelite. That how, how would he be taking this in? How would, how would they be taking this in? And, and so this, our text is from 520 B.C. And what's, happening is, what's happened recently is that in 586, so 66-ish years before our text, uh, Babylon came in from the east and smashed Jerusalem. And, he took, and they took Israel into exile. So in 538, 
the, uh, Nehem- you may have read Nehemiah, that Nehemiah is able to come back and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And so there's a lot of optimism there. But now it's 20-ish years later, and Jerusalem is still irrelevant, that there's not really that many people there. There's no king. They're still under foreign rule. They haven't, re- and they haven't rebuilt the temple. The, uh, there's another prophet, Haggai, that uh, prophesies at the same time as Zechariah that says, rebuild the temple. What are you doing? Rebuild the temple. And so these, the Israelites are struggling with what's going on around them. This, is, this, is, this doesn't look like what God intends for his people to be. They're, they're, they're just irrelevant and small and weak, and they're struggling with that. And Zechariah is reminding them, no, these promises are true. In spite of uh, what they've forgotten, they still need to believe this and, and look forward to this. Now, if you ever get the chance to look at a map, uh, you can see all these places. So uh, you can picture the Mediterranean Sea, the eastern coast of it. So all the, all the Philistine cities, there's five major ones. Four of them are listed here. They're, they're right there on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, Tyre and Sidon are a little bit north. And, uh, and then Hadrach and Damascus are further north from that. And then, Jeru- and then Israel is the Sea of Galilee, which is kind of like a lake. And then the Jordan River is a small river. Uh, going down to the Dead Sea, the Salty Sea, and then Jerusalem is just north of the Dead Sea. So, um, and it's, it's in the mountains. So you have the, the coast and then the mountains. So there's your mental map. Um, we, so we only, there's only one point, and we'll look at three parts of the text. Uh, and the point is that the Lord will bring judgment and salvation through the humble donkey rider, through the humble king. That's the point. And so we'll kind of split it into three sections, judgment, uh, salvation, and humble king. And, and I'm going I'm to kind of add a word to each of those uh, because there's kind of three undercurrents in our text that uh, I want us to be mindful of. And so uh, for judgment, uh, the word is security, protection. Okay, so judgment, security. Uh, the second, uh, salvation, war. That there's that this is a very warlike chapter, uh, and the third is a humble king strength. That the Israelites would have thought they were weak. Everything looks weak. The church looks weak, uh, but there's the assumption is that God's people are strong. They're strong in Christ, and so uh, so those are kind of the three words that I want to include there. Uh, other sermons could be devoted to convincing you that this is a good setup. That there are. Um, judgment and salvation. Maybe you don't like that. Uh, but Zechariah is kind of just telling it like it is. Uh, there are a lot of, of wonderful things about God, our gracious God, in this text. Uh, but the main thing is just kind of seeing that this is what the world is like. This is what's going on here. So um, remember just to see this uh, reality, to remember this, what, what reality is. Okay, so First, first point, uh, judgment, security. One thing about judgment uh, in the Bible is that it's often right next to grace. It's right next to salvation. They're all right there together. Uh, judgment is not popular these days, so I'm glad that we can look at the scriptures and see what God says about that, how he let him speak. Uh, it's very specific, in verses 4 to 7, we see a lot of specifics. And so uh, I want us to see what God's judgment is like. And so as we go through this, I want you to kind of set aside 
the sadness and the foreverness and, and all the, the weightiness of judgment and just see kind of the nuts and bolts at first of what it is. So Tyre, they had a strong castle. They built a strong castle on the coast. It was extremely difficult uh, to attack, and so they took pride in it. They took pride in it along with their wisdom and along with their money. And so no one, so many nations tried to attack it and take it over, and then they couldn't, and they couldn't until someone did. Someone took it over. They fell in their pride. Uh, there's a, what I would call a judgment vision in verse 5. That, um, that you see this in the movies, that, that the, the bad guy, he finally sees that he can't win. That, that, that it's, it's, his sins have caught up to him, that he's lost. Uh, the reckoning has come. And so for Ashkelon, they did not see or fear God in life, but they will see and fear him in judgment. Uh, these other images, writhing in anguish, hopes confounded, uh, that moment of seeing, that, that judgment vision is coming for Ashkelon. Uh, the word for confounded, you may have seen that, like, confounded, it's almost always translated shame. That shame is part of judgment. Uh, that's, um, it's coming for Ashkelon. That, that it's, that it's, uh, that, that, that's part of what's going on with Ashkelon. Uh, judgment vision is often shameful. Uh, they'll see reality, reality and shamefully writhe in anguish. Uh, the picture at the, verse, at the end of verse 5 uh, is extremely common in the Bible, uh, but it's not one that we typically associate with judgment, uh, but it's um, losing your king and your country being uninhabited. Uh, no one there, no king. I suspect that uh, most Americans, they can't imagine this being the case. Uh, you know, maybe some folks that live in small towns. Uh, but this is, this is standard Bible judgment uninhabited, no king. Uh, the, the mixed people aspect of judgment in verse 6, uh, that may be from some kind of racial superiority. Uh, we're not sure. Uh, but the word is referring to someone uh, without, that doesn't know who their father is. And so uh, actually Alexander the Great, apparently, uh, he didn't know who his father was, that King Philip was not actually his father. And then verse 6 uh, gives kind of a summary pride. Pride is condemned endlessly in the Bible. It's, it's foolish. It's unacceptable to God. He is the giver of all things that we could take pride in. He gives those, and the Lord will cut it off. Uh, that word cut off, we see it twice again in verse 10, and it's covenant language, cut off from the covenant. God connects himself to us through a covenant that's uh, like a promise, uh, more than a promise, but like a contract, but more than a contract. Uh, and this cut off from the covenant uh, is the hopelessness uh, that many people don't care about, but that for Christians is unthinkable. It's, for Christians, this being cut off, is that, that should provoke in us, no, you know, this is what I cannot take. I will give up anything. I cannot be cut off from the Lord. At one point, Paul, he writes of wishing that he could be cut off in order for the Jews to know Jesus. And Moses says the same thing. What a blessing. The Lord's given wonderful leaders to his people over time. 
And praise the Lord for Jesus, who was cut off for us in our place. Israel would have been comforted by these words. Uh, you, may have been, uh, you may have heard of shame cultures before. Uh, Malaysia was definitely that. And the, the prevailing sentiment in Malaysia was that um, what you show on the outside is what is real. That, uh, you know, what face do you put on? And so the mentality is that hiding is the only way. Uh, and, and, and that's part of the reason that confounding is mentioned, shame. And for, for Malaysians, most Malaysians, what's unthinkable is being known, being seen. Uh, and this is what God does, that he, the Lord sees. And, and when God understands, when, when God's people understand that the Lord sees, it changes so much. Relationships, the way we live, honesty. Many things that God intends for his people to be come out of understanding that God sees everything. That's, there's, there's two references to the Lord's eye. Verse, verse 1 and verse 8, he sees. So know that any sin that you've endured, anything, any cheating, anything that's come against you, God has seen it all. He's going to pay for it. It will all be paid for completely. You may think that um, the prophets have a lot of judgment. That uh, it's, but the thing is with it, it's, it's kind of difficult to get through very much of it without grace, without there being lots of grace. And so the twist in the first section takes place in, verses, in verse 6. It's, it's a dramatic shift. You have the Philistines eating idolatrous blood. That the, the Israelites were, they weren't supposed to eat blood, but this is, this is ritual eating for the Philistines. They're, these, this is an abomination against God, and God's going to take it out of their teeth and include them in the remnant. The Philistines are going to be with the Israelites. That, that, uh, the, uh, they'll be like a clan in Judah. That's, that's Jesus' tribe. Ekron will be like the Jebusites. The, the Jebusites are Jerusalem, the, the people that live in Jerusalem. And then God's going to encamp around his house and guard it. Uh, in Malaysia, uh, Japan actually occupied Malaysia during World War II. And so some of the older folks in Malaysia, they remember seeing the soldiers walk over the mountain, come down into the valley. You may have heard these stories. Horrible stories. Unprotected. Having foreign soldiers coming in. That's not going to be God's people. Never. That's never going to be God's people. Uh, so when you come to church, maybe you feel like you have to be good enough to be there. Uh, remember the Philistines and the remnant. That's our people. We're a messy clan, uh, but we're the Lord's clan that he loves. So hopefully you've seen um, the specifics there that, that uh, you know, God hates pride. Um, anything that we hope in that isn't him, uh, that, that you know, God takes us away. Um, but this is sad. It's forever for, for a lot of these people. Uh, I took my kids to the, the Rockets game last night, and uh, two of our brothers were, uh, were preaching on, this, on, the, uh, on the corner there. I don't know what church they go to. And, uh, and, and the, the sermon kind of had one point. Make sure you don't go to hell. And so I, I think that's not an act. I don't, I don't think that's a, 
I think it's a misrepresentation of who God is. I think when you see the Bible, that it leads with God's love. But we can't forget that the judgment's there too. We need to remember that, that there as well. And grace is right next to it. So our second point is, is salvation, war. So the Lord will bring judgment and salvation through the humble king. There are a lot of opposites in this text. Uh, there's a king, but Gaza is not going to have a king. Uh, this king is coming. Uh, his rule is from sea to sea. Uh, the sea for an Israelite was, it was this really scary and uncontrollable thing. But Tyre is going to lose its power on the sea. Uh, this king is going to rule. Uh, there won't be war. The battle bow will be cut off in verse 10. Uh, but Judah, the, this tribe of Israel, uh, is going to be the Lord's bow. Ephraim, another tribe of Israel. It's the Lord's arrow. It's, it's, this arrow is going to go forth like lightning. So the, the rampart, the siege tower, uh, this, this uh, castle, verse 3, that Tyre built that she thought would save her, it didn't. But God, he calls his people to return to the stronghold. Verse 12, Jesus, their protector, be safe. Uh, you have abomination blood in the mouth of the Philistines in verse 7. And then you have the blood of the Lord's covenant setting prisoners free in verse 11. Uh, now, setting prisoners free, uh, this is the way that the Bible talks about sin. Uh, the Bible talks about sin uh, like prison. It, it talks about sin the way you may have heard the music group, the Eagles, talk about heroin addiction. Welcome to Hotel California. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Uh, we're all just prisoners here of our own device. Uh, it, the Bible talks about sin the way that people talk about alcoholism today. Addicts. We sin because we're prisoners. Uh, we sin because we're addicts. And... So the Lord makes other promises. A, a, a central theme of Zechariah uh, is returning. Uh, ver, verse 12 picks it back up. Uh, returning to the stronghold. And then the Lord finishes it saying, I'll restore to you double. Uh, the word's the same in the original language. It's, it's the same. It's return. Restoring double. God is so lavish. And so our text, in its vagueness, it's fulfilled in so many ways. Uh, back uh, when we were in Malaysia, sometimes we would talk to people and, and people would give us a lot of credit. Uh, like we were some kind of super Christian. <laughs> they would say, wow, you know, that's, 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 that's great what you did, you know. And, uh, in some ways it was hard and there, there was sacrifice to, to do that. But in general, we didn't feel that way at all. It was such a blessing. Uh, the number of times, uh, I, I could go on and on about the blessing of being there. Um, and so, I mean, talk to anyone who's, you know, returned to the Lord and, and been faithful to him and made something that outwardly might look like a great sacrifice. Uh, and they'll tell you how much the Lord has blessed them, how good he's been to them in the midst of that. Uh, and, and that's not all that the text is talking about. We know more is coming. We know it's talking about the future as well. Uh, the last part of salvation that I want to mention 
uh, one more blessing as we kind of define this salvation, as God defines it in, in, this, in His Word, is children. That uh, He sets His covenant people free from prison. He gives them hope. Uh, and in this great salvation, your children are included. That we have this, uh, this amazing picture of roused sons fighting the Greeks. How many sons are there out there that need a stirring up? How many, how many sons are there who need a waking up? Uh, have, you, have you ever seen anything stir up a son like the gospel, like the good news of the gospel? Only God can wield our sons like a warrior's sword. Uh, we see daughters blessed too, verse 17. Uh, and, and children in general are part of the meaning there in verse 13. Uh, son is kind of the broad term. Uh, but in some ways, when the Bible talks about salvation and blessing, the pinnacle of blessing is having holy offspring. And in some ways, in the same way, the height of judgment is having your house uninhabited. Uh, now, you may think this doesn't apply to you if you don't have biological children, uh, but it does. The, the church is a spiritual family. We are God's family. And so God calls his people to uh, faithfulness. He calls uh, to loving our neighbor, loving our local church. And that faithfulness results in sons and daughters. It results in children. Uh, I mean, I, I pray that the Lord would stir up my biological children uh, and, and the people that I've been blessed to disciple, that, that as their spiritual father, I, I pray that they would follow the Lord and that, that the Lord would stir them up against his enemies. <laughs> okay. Speaking of stirring up, my brother-in-law, I love my brother-in-law. He, uh, he married my sister. And uh, at one point he said to me, if you weren't a Christian, do you think you would be into sports gambling? And I told him, absolutely. Like, that's just, like, that would be, I'm that guy. Like, I would totally be that guy that would let that become a black hole in my life. And he laughed, you know, that he knew me so well. And I knew myself well enough for that. But, but praise the Lord that the guy, he's stirred me up to where I, that, that's not what I've spent a lot of time uh, on. Now, I don't mean that to, to trash sports gambling. But I'm just saying my conscience would not let me, uh, you know, that take a lot of amount of my time and my thinking in that way. Don't give up. Peace is coming. Uh, shalom is the word there. Uh, it means uh, full peace. It means uh, the peace that we all long for. Relationships mainly, uh, but also creation, the sky, the trees. Uh, it means it means uh, peace with God, and only Jesus can do it. And he did. And this is our story. It's hard to believe it every week because we struggle in life. We sin. People sin against us. Life is so messy. And it feels like there is no peace. Uh, no shalom. We do get a taste of it on Sundays at church. But it's coming. Uh, if you are a Christian, you're still kind of a prisoner. Uh, you, are, you, you will be set free. The world is still fallen. Uh, but there's just there's a lot of suffering. Uh, you're not a prisoner to your sin. 
and you're a prisoner of hope. Uh, if you're not a Christian, uh, Zechariah 9 calls you a hopeless prisoner, but you don't have to be. He can be your king too. He wants to be your king. Uh, so don't give up and don't be fooled. Uh, the House of Islam may be the most explicit about this, uh, but you've probably seen some form of this. Um, uh, something different that people call peace. Uh, in, in Malaysia, do not talk about Jesus. That's the rule. Don't talk about it. It's illegal to tell Muslims about Jesus. It's illegal for them to be Christians. In Singapore, nearby, it's, uh, there's a high value on harmony. And so there's sort of a natural—it's it's different than, like, you know, religion wars. But it's the, out, the outcome is the same. That, oh, yeah, we know that we, do, we won't talk about this guy. We'll talk about Jesus. Uh, maybe we want a little closer to home. Keep calm and carry on, the British. Just keep calm and carry on. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't talk about him. How can this guy be the one that brings shalom? Maybe you, know, maybe you like, have been in like, Thanksgiving meals and thought, okay, don't talk about politics. And maybe like, keeping everything cool felt like peace to you. But that's not, that's not what it's talking about here. And actually, giving someone Jesus and all the fallout that often comes with that, that um, is much closer to shalom than not, than not talking about him. It's a false peace. It's a peace that keeps people from Jesus. It keeps them prisoners. It keeps them in their sin. Uh, and th this false peace is actually satanic. It's a satanic false peace. So what's going on here? Uh, our question. Uh, and our, our, the answer our text gives is that it's war. That you, you may not feel like you're in a war. You may not see that. But there's a spiritual war raging right now. Satan does not want people to know Jesus, and God does. Uh, so, uh, so talk about Jesus as prisoners of hope. Talk about Jesus. The last point, humble, humble king, the humble donkey rider, strength. Uh, verse 9 is the one that's most connected to Jesus for people. Uh, a lot of people know that Jesus rode in on a donkey on Palm Sunday, the week of his death, uh, this was a very symbolic action, that uh, being welcomed into a city uh, either on a war horse or on, on a donkey uh, was, uh, it had a great, it was a once-in-a-lifetime moment for Roman generals, um, a war horse for war, donkey for peace. And uh, they called these ceremonies, they called them triumphs. And so that's why um, Christians have always called Jesus coming into Jerusalem the triumphal entry. The king's here. He's, he's, he's victorious. And uh, so we have great reason to rejoice greatly. We have great reason to shout aloud because Jesus is going to win this war against Satan. Uh, the humble king. Uh, there's a Christian book that came out a year or two ago. And uh, it's been, a lot of people have really liked it. And uh, if it's, it's helped people see Jesus. And the title is Gentle and Lowly. Uh, if you want to know Jesus better or, or wonder who he is, 
Check it out. But early in the book, the author explains uh, the, ver- the verse that he takes the title from in Matthew when Jesus describes himself as gentle and lowly. <clears throat> the word lowly um, is the same word here, humble. And it means, uh, it means destitute. It means poor. That our God, the God of the universe, he comes down and describes himself as lowly, as destitute. That if you feel that, if you feel, um, maybe you feel like you're performing, that you're trying to run from shame, uh, maybe you feel like you're one step away from being found out as uh, not talented or, or not having it all together or, or whatever that may be, Jesus is with you. He takes all that shame on himself. The, uh, in Malaysia, I, uh, whenever I shared the gospel, uh, this was a very uh, alien thing for most Malaysians, uh, but I would kind of work my way from creation to the cross. And I would, I would get, when I got to the cross, I would, I would ask them, why? Why would God leave heaven and come all the way down here and be poor and be, just so he could be murdered? Be, if there was like a light pole or something, I would point to it. Well, he let himself be hung there naked. Why would he do that? The pain, the shame, the loneliness. And they usually, they, it made sense. They usually understood they, because he, lo- he loves us. And so I would say yes. He takes our lowliness and he makes us strong. We're not strong. The church is not, it's never strong. Even, even big churches that kind of seem strong, they're not. But they have a strong king. They're strong in Christ. Uh, you may see uh, what's going on here more clearly. Uh, after taking in this chapter, uh, this chapter may have seemed bizarre when you first read it. Hopefully it makes more sense now. Uh, what's going on? War, judgment, salvation. Uh, and God comes down humbly and rides on a donkey. <clears throat> it seems like the wicked do fine. But they don't. Judgment's coming. Uh, there may be a lot of things in our text that kind of make you think, I did not see the world this way. I do, I do not see it this way. Uh, and if that's you, I, I hope that you can see the value of being a student of the Bible, of reading God's word. It is the truth. Uh, if you're not a Christian and just checking this Christianity thing out uh, to see whether what it's saying is true or not, don't rush. You don't have to rush. I mean, keep reading it, but it's, you don't have to go crazy with this, but you'll figure it out. Uh, but the Bible's the truth. Come to church every week. Let the text or the, the texts from church be your texts for the week. Continue to feed yourself. Give, give yourself a heavy diet of the words of your father. Uh, give yourself a heavy diet of the word himself, the word made flesh, Jesus. See how it fits together. Know the arc of the story. Uh, don't, just let you, just, don't just let your pastor tell you that the cross is the crescendo of the Bible. Start at Genesis. See it. See how God reveals himself over time. See that it is. Read it with your brothers and sisters uh, at church. Find someone more mature in their faith than you and, and read it with them. 
the king came, and he will come again. Judgment and salvation are coming. Uh, This is a war that will only end when the king returns. Uh, It may not look like war, but look closer and you'll see. You may feel weak. Uh, We are, but our king is not. He's strong, and we're strong in him. In your faithfulness, put your children on your heart. Uh, In your faithfulness, find your children. Whether that be just some kid at the elementary school down the street that you go eat lunch with once a week or whatever, and pray for, that, that go, go have children. Uh, I could be your child if you wanted. If you pray for me, that makes you, that makes you in a sense, my parent. So uh, anyone can be your, your child. So uh, put your children on your heart in your faithfulness. All these blessings are coming. How great his goodness, how great his beauty. Uh, we will be protected. That's what's going on here. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your story. Thank you that you tell us so much in your word. We pray that we would know it and love it. Uh, We thank you that you judge sin. And we thank you that you include undeserving sinners like us in your people. Help us see and remember that we are in a war. Help us see what your judgment is like and what your grace is like. And and help us pursue it. Thank you that you are our strength and that you're coming again. In Jesus' name, amen.